Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or of course Friday evenings on RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes, you're welcome to show number 908. I'm joined as always by our Editor-in-Chief Niall Kitson. Niall, been a heck of a week. Uh, been a hell of a week for a lot of people. A uh, hell, a hell of a week, week actually. Yeah, uh, really, yeah. really good words. Listen, you've just come off uh, an interview with an expert on cyber warfare, and, uh, which I was earwigging in, of course. Wow. We'll play that in a minute. I think what's been going on over the last week is really interesting for two reasons. One is the response of all the tech companies. And there's been mm-hmm. a huge response. And we'll go through them one by one in a minute. Mm-hmm. The second reason is the whole reason why the internet started is kind of close to what's been happening over the last week. Do you you know why the internet started in the first place? Go on, hit me. It was kind of like back in the 70s, 60s and 70s, you had these mainframe computers that were the sizes of like buses, all right? Uh, And universities would connect to each other. And that was kind of like the beginnings of the network. But the military went, hang on a minute now, if we have these mainframe computers and we've got a guy who's out on the front line, he needs to be able to talk to and connect everything together, all right? So one of the reasons for uh, starting the internet was so that soldiers on the field will be able to communicate wirelessly with the computer network, all right? This is back in the late 60s, early 70s. And the other theory with the internet was that you would have a network of computers where in case of a nuclear war, computer networks would remain active and information would flow. Here we are this week and we're seeing it in action. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I kind of, I I, I think it's uh, interesting. And I suppose, uh, I mean, Russia today is is one of, if you're talking about information and information flowing, um, you know, people have decided, right, Russia today should not be given a platform and not be able to talk. So they've been able to eliminate them, not just from satellite broadcasting or terrestrial television broadcasting, whatever, but they are kind of taking them offline as well. Yeah. Yeah, actually, interesting side note, side note from the world of media. Two of Russia Today's anchors uh, resigned after long-term tenures. Uh, and on their LinkedIn profile, instead of having Russia Today anchor for 15 years, they now have a gap in their CV. They have taken RT off their work histories. Let's have a look at the reaction of the tech industry. Yeah. I've been looking at it because you, you were preparing the uh, uh, the interview. So I'll give you kind of the A to Z. Okay. In in order. I, in I order. See. Okay. Well, you never guess who A is. Okay. Your favourite company. <laughs> My favourite company. Uh, Apple have uh, decided that they're not going to conduct any more sales of their hardware or any of their apps or whatever. No more sales in Russia, which actually kind of... In the back of my head, I was kind of thinking, that's not really a big thing or a big statement to be able to make. But considering that money is God to Apple, mm-hmm. closing down their sales, I suppose, is uh, one thing. Apple Pay, they've uh, abandoned operations as well in Russia. Uh, a, B, C, B and C, if you like. Bitcoin, crypto, mm-hmm. Binance. Really interesting response, OK? Because what's the whole point of a cyber currency? 
It's untraceable. Exactly. And it can't be fiddled with with governments and da 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 and people are able to distribute their cash and all that kind of things. Of course, now the whole thing is, are the oligarchs going to use it to transfer their wealth in various uh, places? Um, Binance has come out and said that they will not seize funds because the whole point of cryptocurrency is to have that ability to be able to move money. And this is the perfect situation for it. So, you know, kind of if they were to limit it. Now, I think they've all kind of come around and said, look, if someone from the government comes around and says, taps us on the shoulder and says, Mm -hmm. stop that, I think they'll do that. But in general, they just kind of said access to crypto is why crypto exists, which I actually think is a kind of an interesting uh, uh, point of view, if you like. A, B, C, D, E, E, A, the, uh, the games company. You know, they make the FIFA football games. Yeah, largest game developer in the world. Very, very somewhat uh, familiar with them, yes. Well, EA uh, have now followed the lead of UEFA and FIFA and stuff like that and taken Russia out of the virtual version of uh, of World Cup football and all of those games as well. Um, who else we got? Google. Google, of course, of course, huge. But in relation to Google and Bing and Apple, who all have kind of got their own maps and stuff like that, they've all said that they're taking traffic information out of the map data. Okay, right. Because they don't want to, uh, it to be seen where people are gathering and where there's blocks and stuff like that because it could be used for uh, all kinds of uh, okay. reasons. So. Well, well, it's important then to mention the work being done by an American company actually called Maxar Technologies, mm-hmm. where what they have been doing is they have been taking satellite imagery because that's what they do uh, and feeding it out to news organizations. So those images of that massive convoy outside Kiev. Uh, at the moment, that was done by Maxar Technologies. So not the usual suspects, but there you go. And I think, you know how uh, a lot of the uh, satellite view, if you like, on Google and Bing and Apple and stuff like that, that's not actually from a satellite. It's from planes that are flying across. But that that, that uh, Maxar that you mentioned, I bet those photographs that we see on the news are actually taken from a satellite. Oh, yeah. Because ain't nobody flying over uh, Ukraine uh, this week. Also, with uh, Google, Bing and Apple and response to the uh, war, uh, they are demoting search results for Russian government media. They haven't said that they're taking them out altogether, but they're demoting them. So if you do for a search for it now, they'll give you any and every other resource other than that. They, effectively, they, they're banned to page two. Right. Okay. Uh, Google are also uh, providing um, um, uh, defense against um, DDoS attacks. DDoS uh, attacks to 100 key Ukrainian websites, which is uh, interesting. Uh, way up the uh, other end of the alphabet, then we're into the R's with Reddit. There is a uh, Russia subreddit uh, on there. They've quarantined it, which means yeah. that uh, there's going to be no search. So if you search for it or whatever, again, same thing. Um, it won't show you up on the search results and stuff like that. Um, Russia Today, as I said, off Roku. Uh, YouTube have taken them out. Apple, Google Play. So all the socials have taken them out. I'm, I'm very well. surprised that, I mean, but taking RT off YouTube, well, that's a channel block. That's That, that doesn't sound terribly technical, but to remove it from a platform like Roku, that's, that's a real statement right there. Uh, from by Roku, uh, mm-hmm. the ones who yeah, are making the yeah. statement. But I think uh, what's happened is that possibly because the EU have said that they you are not allowed to retransmit um, RT 
Now, whether that just applies to broadcast or whether it applies to online, I'm not so sure. But with Roku, anyway, I'm sure that that's a, a worldwide thing. Uh, Spotify also um, making um, some statements saying that they have closed the new Moscow office, which they only opened last month. So they've wow. closed it down and they are um, also uh, removing uh, RT from their service and, and Sputnik and stuff like that because they would have podcasts and various audio uh, coming out. Elon Musk, here's one. Okay. And I actually kind of think this is one of the most interesting of all his Starlink, you know, the, the satellite internet? Mm-hmm. He has activated it over uh, the Ukraine region and he has also sent a whole ton of terminals en route. Right. So internet connectivity will be maintained in some way, shape or form. Exactly. And that's going back to kind of what I was saying uh, at the start about how can you shut the internet down? Is the whole point of if there is a war, computer networks would remain active. Now, you can cut off the wires and stuff like that or the fibre or the whatever, but it's very hard uh, to stop a satellite. So uh, that's what Elon Musk is up to. All of the uh, the social media uh, people, uh, no advertising, um, no publicity for RT or Sputnik or any of the, uh, uh, the Russian government um, agencies and stuff like that. That's to be expected. Of course, they're all monitoring what is being said. It must be an absolute nightmare for them. Um, TripAdvisor. There was a campaign on TripAdvisor and was Google Maps, all right? And they were saying people in Russia aren't hearing what's going on. Uh, we need to give them the, the, the other side of the story. And they've been encouraging people to go on and to review restaurants in Russia. Okay. And also mention Ukraine. So it would be kind of like hmm. the food is lovely, but unfortunately uh, it was all uh, ruined by the invasion of Ukraine by Putin. <laughs> Some good uses, user generated content you know, right there. You can't, yeah, exactly. Like it's a kind of wow, people thinking about how we're going to get in and get the message, and they use those kind of avenues. Now, TripAdvisor have had to shut down reviews altogether. As a result of that, like, you know, um, Twitter, uh, the Russia Today account uh, withheld, of course, uh, they're monitoring everything else. And I, I kind of deliberately didn't get into social media on this because, you know, it's been well documented with various other things. Um, what Facebook and Meta and so on and so forth has done. But here's one that never occurred to me. All right. When it comes to information in a time of crisis, Wikipedia. I would have thought Wikipedia is a battlefield for uh, What a nightmare. Uh. Um, Russia has actually blocked uh, Wikipedia or is thinking of banning it altogether for spreading uh, misinformation because there is a, a Russian-Ukrainian war page and the information contained on that uh, obviously doesn't go down well. So, so it's... Um, yeah, it's kind of, I, I just, I kind of just wanted to go through all of the various tech companies and stuff like that, because it's just been amazing over the last week to say the way that they have all responded, because they're not governments and they're mm. not countries, but they do wield huge influence yeah. um, over our day-to-day -day lives. It's it's amazing the commercial, cultural sporting unity that we have seen over the invasion of Ukraine. It's certainly unprecedented in, in my lifetime um, that I've never seen such a, a coordinated, um, multi-level uh, response to something. Um, it, it speaks to sort of the, our better angels uh, in a lot of ways, um, that people sort of facing the most, the most terrible 
uh, of consequences for doing little more than living um, in a particular piece of land is being recognized uh, by so many institutions across the world. Um, yeah, I mean, as a, as a member of the, the human race, it's, it's heartening to see this level of response uh, and hopefully that will be reflected in the, in the ultimate outcome. Well, listen, they're all the major tech companies. And as the uh, whole crisis in the Ukraine deepens, but the other thing we're seeing, and this is where we're going to get into the uh, the interview that Niall did, um, we're seeing an army of cyber volunteers from around the world uh, bringing mm. their talents to the virtual front as well. Uh, earlier, Niall spoke with a security, cybersecurity expert called Brian Honan of BH Consulting and started by asking him, what are the tools and the tactics being used in cyber warfare. The Russian invasion of Ukraine obviously has brought to the fore the whole discussion about cyber warfare or what part cyber will play in uh, modern conflicts. Uh, I think it's interesting that lots of people have just looked back at the pa- looked back at the past. Uh, seven, eight days or so, and have just sort of said, well, based on the last eight days, we can say cyber has no place in in modern warfare. But I think that's a bit disingenuous. I think if you look at uh, the, the Russian-Ukraine conflict, that, in a, that really has been going on since 2014, since the... Uh, uh, and since then, we have seen Russia target Ukraine with different cyber attacks. They have been targeting government and other uh, critical websites such as financial sites and uh, media sites over the past eight years with uh, distributed honest service service attacks to try and disrupt the ability for Ukrainian citizens to get to those those websites. We have seen attacks against critical infrastructure. Uh, Infamously, uh, a few years ago, we saw a power station in in Ukraine taken offline uh, by a cyber attack and uh, impacting hundreds of thousands of people uh, for uh, several hours or days of not having uh, electrical power. And then infamously, we saw the impact of the NotPetya uh, uh, virus that hit uh, uh, a company called Medoc. Uh, Medoc is a Ukrainian uh, company that uh, specializes in uh, accounting software, and they were compromised by uh, Russian r- Russian hackers, believed to be uh, government sponsored at the very least, if not part of the government themselves. Uh, they hacked into. Medoc's uh, systems, planted malware within the co- Medoc's own code, so that when Medoc distributed that code out to uh, all its customers, uh, that malicious code was also uh, transmitted unknowingly out to all those customers. And then we saw the impact of that picture where it took down hundreds, thousands of companies, not just in Ukraine, but, but worldwide. Maersk Shipping infamously uh, said they, they suffered something like a, a $500 million loss as a direct result of their systems being impacted by NotPetya. So cyber warfare 
uh, sorry, the use of cyber in warfare is not something that that is new. Uh, it has a place in disrupting communications and disrupting services. It has its place in uh, propaganda, uh, misinformation and disinformation. So you, you will see uh, on social media sites right now, uh, you will see uh, pro-Russian or pro-Ukrainian uh, uh, social media accounts promoting each other's sides, uh, you know, telling the narrative that they want people to hear. And there's a lot of that happening out there. So the question is, if cyber is so effective, why have we not seen it yet in the past 10 days or so? Uh, I think it's quite plain and simple, is that if you want to take out a target, a missile is much more direct and much more effective than trying to do it through the computer because it, 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 it does take time. Now, I'm not saying that this is uh, it's a threat that we should uh, ignore or uh, trivialize, but uh, maybe what we're seeing is, is that many people may have overhyped the effectiveness of, of, of cyber in, in, in warfare, and I certainly hope I'm not going to regret saying those words over the next few days or weeks and come back to eat them again. But, you know, cyber warfare has been a drum that vendors have been trying to use to not just in the past week or so, but many years to try and sell their products. So I think where we are is uh, we're at a stage where, where cyber has been used over the past years for disinformation, misinformation, ongoing disruption, ongoing uh, causing problems. Uh, and what we're going to see now, I think, is is a different thing. We, we, we have seen uh, this uh, IT army, the Ukrainian IT army, which uh, the Ukrainian Minister of Defense uh, called upon people all around the world to, to join this uh, IT army and where they would be given uh, targets in Russia that they would be required to launch DDoS attacks against or, or any other type, type of attacks. We've also seen the anonymous collective uh, side with Ukraine and target uh, Russian uh, uh, websites and, 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 and Russian systems. How effective those are is, is hard to say. It's We are in uh, a war situation, so information changes uh, and happens rapidly. Uh, is a website down because as a result of a cyber attack or has the website been taken down by the website owner to protect it or simply has the internet connectivity had a problem in between. So it's very hard to, as I said, to, to try and take that. So we have seen that stage where we have these volunteer, if you like, civilian type type of attacks. Um, interesting enough, uh, you mentioned ransomware. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's no secret that for many years, uh, the Russian government has turned a blind eye to criminals operating within Russia and the Russian Federation uh, uh, when they target Western uh, companies uh, and, and uh, with ransomware and, 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 take, and, 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 and hit them with, uh, with locking up their systems and making them 
unaccessible. Uh, there was a kind of detente over the past six or seven months where we saw, actually saw Russian authorities arrest, indi- arrest individuals relating to ransomware. But I do think now what we may see happening is, is that the uh, blind eye will, will turn to maybe open encouragement to sort of say, look, go and do what you, what, what you want to do uh, uh, against uh, Western interests. We may see, depending on the severity of the sanctions that are that are hitting uh, Russia, we may see Russia turn around uh, to its own uh, uh, hackers or to encourage others to maybe target Western interests. So over the coming days, I think that could become increasingly of a risk for Irish businesses and Irish individuals. Uh, I don't think there's, uh, at the moment, I don't think there's a, a direct threat against any any businesses. Uh, we uh, may see, though, that changing, as I said, because of the sanctions. And, uh, you know, we are the tech Silicon Valley of Europe. Uh, we have so many data centers here that we have a lot of European uh organizations hosting their systems and hosting their platforms on data centers within Ireland. Uh, We have many uh, multinationals based here uh, for financial institutions, technology, research and development. They would all potentially be high profile targets for Russian based uh, hackers to to, to go after. Uh, The fact that there are also those uh, potential targets are operating in Ireland. Probably means we could be collateral damage to attacks against those organisations. So uh, it could also mean, though, if you are a supplier into one of those organisations, you could be targeted as a way for the the hackers to to get into. Uh, those target organizations uh, are indeed because we're all sharing the same infrastructure communications wise data center wise it could become an, a, an issue where our internet space is disrupted and we we, we have issues here uh, that's uh, that 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 no, that there are all the things that could potentially happen and you know uh, we don't have a crystal ball to, uh, to, to predict exactly what can happen. They're, they're the risks uh, I, I would see. Uh, I, I think from Irish businesses and uh, individuals, the, the, the more immediate risk is criminal gangs uh, piggybacking on the crisis in order to uh, get people to click on links or open attachments to, to lead them to websites that may either download malware onto their machines or uh, uh, to, to, to fish their credentials, be that their corporate credentials are for, for banking sites or, or, or whatever else. Uh, and the criminals are, are, are setting up fake websites for donations uh, to support the victims uh, of the war. So I think criminals, that's the immediate threat we're going to see is, is the criminals looking to, to, 
to target individuals uh, for scams uh, and using lures such as uh, you know donate to uh, discharge to support victims or uh, click on this link to see see a video of a tank being blown up or, or whatever else and it's just trying to get people to, 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 to hook in on that uh, that element of influence attacks is fascinating because none of these tools are new. I mean, we've had DDoS attacks with Anonymous for years now. Uh, we've just gotten over a hurdle where with this ransomware experience with the HSE, I think the reverberations are still there and we're still seeing other organizations like for example, the RDS tackled in a similar way. Uh, in terms of influence attacks, do you think social networks are actually starting to learn lessons as opposed to, you know, paying the sort of lip service that they've been doing uh, since 2016 uh, and then, you know, taking that misinformation experience a little bit more seriously in 2020 for the US presidential elections? But still, does relying on the community to bail them out of this, uh, do you see any improvements in how social networks are dealing with these kinds of campaigns? Uh, to be quite honest, no. Uh, I, I still think we're, we're probably in the realm of uh, lip service being paid to a lot of this because you know, social media make money on the interactions of the users on their platforms. And the, the more people engage with the platform, the more data they share, uh, and that's the more revenue then that these the, the social media sites can, can generate on the back of that. Um, you know, we've had the COVID-19 pandemic for just over two years now, but we're still seeing a lot of misinformation and disinformation circulating on all the various social media sites re regarding uh, the pandemic. Uh, and whatever efforts the social media companies are putting in, it still seems to be very reactive and it still seems to be very, uh, uh, as you said there, uh, you, know, community, you know, relying on individuals to report uh, uh, misinformation, uh, you know, accounts that are, are spreading uh, conspiracy theories or misinformation or malicious content uh, or, or, or abuse. So I, I think the social media sites still have an awful lot of uh, work to do and have a lot of responsibility in, in all this and trying to, you know, to, to, to make those spaces a much more safer and secure environment for everybody to operate in. Looking again, I thought where you have this idea of the irregular army, I suppose, uh, we're as we're calling it, uh, we've seen Anonymous in the past tarnish a business uh, with their, you know, DDoS attacks and expo expose poor practices in cybersecurity. Do you think this is going to be different this time around with Anonymous? Will the same effort be put in to tracing and maybe hunting down members of Anonymous uh, if they are engaged in a military conflict overseas? It's it's hard to know. Uh, is the answer? I think corporates have learned a lot, and organisations have learned a lot over the years on how to protect themselves. I'm not saying. They, that 
everything is working fine as, as you highlighted there uh, you know for example the HSE uh, if you read the PwC report into their ransomware attack you can see there's a lot of uh, uh, lot, lot of shortcomings in their cybersecurity uh, but to be frank HSE is not alone any many large organizations will still tr struggle to to to, to cover everything there, there is no such thing as 100% security uh, and that's that's true in the world of cyber it's true in the physical world you know I can put as many locks and alarms uh, on my house as I want uh, but if a, if a determined burglar wants to get in they will get in some way and, and that's the same uh, on the internet or, or, or in cyber you can put your protections in place, but there's no such thing as a hundred percent security. So, with these crowdsourced or uh, uh, you know uh, irregular IT army, as you call it, uh, the sheer volume of that attacks, uh, the diversity of skills, maybe that that's that's in there as well. Somebody could get lucky at a, hit an organization or not, but I think you know. Individuals uh, don't want to be a wet blanket on anybody who's thinking they're, they're, they're trying to do this to, to, to support Ukraine. Uh, you do have to remember, under Irish law and indeed many Western uh, countries, uh, their laws, uh, hacking an organization, uh, no matter what the motivation behind it is, is a criminal act. Now, whether or not you'll be prosecuted for it, I can't say, uh, but it, it's still a criminal act. You also should remember that uh, you don't know if you haven't carried out any good research into the, the target you're being given as to what exactly it is you're targeting. You know, how do you know if the information you're being given is true? You know, how do you know that the IP address you've just been told to hack actually is, uh, for want of a better phrase, a legitimate target and not somebody putting in the IP address of a hospital in Ukraine or a hospital in Poland or a hospital in Russia and you go and, and, and try and attack that and you cause damage to that system and it's, it's an instant organization. Or indeed, you may disrupt a genuine uh, government-led uh, attack that... that, that that, that has happened as well. So, you know, law, the law enforcement has plenty of time to come back and look at people at, at this just because they don't knock on your door the day after you, 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 you hit the enter key to, to launch an attack. Doesn't mean that somewhere down the line that, that knock on the door come, could come back. And I think corporates need to think of this very carefully and have the message around that in that you may not want... Um, uh, your, st your, your staff using company computers and company resources to uh, be part of this uh, uh, irregular uh, volunteer cyber army as well. Taking a look at the sanctions that are being imposed at the moment, you see some of the companies involved, say, for example, a Google or a Meta or a Twitter, brands that are kind of operating at scale, but where there tends to be uh, either Russian equivalents of these or, you know, just may, may be a very scaled back presence. Um, what sort of company will it actually take 
for a sanction to be to be felt? Will it take the likes of an AWS, for example? Yeah, it's it's, it's a very good question. Like uh, there there have been talks about you know. You know, for example, maybe Microsoft should stop distributing patches to uh, computers based in Russia, uh, or uh, we should cut off the internet. You know, uh, the Russian internet from the rest of the world. Uh, but I think we need to think very, very carefully about the uh, the actions that may be taken and and the potential consequences. So something done in good faith could potentially backfire like one of the things if you look at the sanctions uh, and, and the reasons behind the sanctions you know right from the financial sanctions and everything else down is to put pressure on president putin uh to uh stop the war and withdraw the russian troops and that pressure would be seen to be coming from the people within russia who will sort of say you know this is not you know this is not worth it. The the pain and suffering we're, we're, we're having as a result of these sanctions is not worth it. Uh, now, what we need to be ensure is that those people are also getting the right information. You know, if if they're cut off from uh, genuine and independent media sources that give them uh, the truth as to what's happening in Ukraine and elsewhere and how the world is reacting to Russia. Uh, they're not going to see that, and they're going to, you know, rely then on Russian-based media, on Russian-based uh, uh, sites, who will give the government line uh, and be talking about how Russia is the aggrieved party here, and reinforcing then the people's will to to fight on as such. So we need to be, think very carefully about those consequences, and similarly to, you know, people talking about let's stop distributing. Uh, software patches to Russian computers and make them more vulnerable to attack. Well, again, you have people who are, you know, citizens in Russia who are innocent in all this, who we could expose to uh, cyber criminals and other gangs who, who, who could attack them. So we need to be very, very careful uh, as to how those, those, those sanctions can happen. I think, you know, coming back to the top of the call uh, of the talk here, we are talking about uh, disinformation and misinformation. So, you know, the, the only way we can counter disinformation and misinformation is with information and making sure people have access to that. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Brian Holland from BH Consulting. And you'll find Brian and his team at bhconsulting.ie. That uh, address or uh, website, I should say, in our show notes for you, of course, on your podcast player. Listen, that is it for our show for this week. Remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. Or listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nile Kitson, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.